0: Hey, welcome to Annotated ELA, a podcast for ELA teachers looking for ways to engage and motivate your students to be better readers, writers, communicators, and people. I'm your host, Melissa, a classroom teacher with 20 years experience in middle school. Join me right here each week for practical tips, stories, inspiration, and actionable strategies to use in your classroom, and some laughs. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Annotated ELA. I'm so excited you're here. Are you looking for tools for vocabulary instruction? Maybe you're feeling stuck when it comes to vocabulary instruction. Or maybe you're a vocabulary rock star and you're looking for something different to engage students. Whatever your vocabulary status, this episode might just spark the inspiration needed to take vocabulary instruction to the next level. These vocabulary tools are a great addition to your literacy toolbox. If you're interested in ready-made vocabulary templates, grab the vocabulary template resource and use all of the activities with any vocabulary instruction. The link is in the show notes. Let's get to those vocabulary tools, friends. The first vocabulary tool is a word wall. Hear me out. While word walls are not a revolutionary idea, they are effective. What is a word wall? Well, inside words by Janet Allen defines a word wall as a word wall is a displayed collection of words that support an ongoing teaching and learning in the classroom. Simple enough. Word walls can be composed of words that are used often in the classroom. And this would be considered a quote unquote high utility word wall or a word wall could be a topical word wall where the words are related to a theme, a text, or a unit of study. Make word walls work for you. Side note and personal story is that word walls were always super intimidating to me, and I often viewed them as an elementary tool. However, this year I am using a topical word wall where I am doing units of study up there and keeping them up there. It includes the word a picture, a visual to help them remember the word, and then a QR code for them to scan that takes them to a Google slide where there's some more information, a definition, and some other things to help them with the word. And it has been a success. Let's talk about how it might look in your classroom. A high utility word wall would be where the words are added as they are encountered and learned through shared reading and learning of the individual words. And the words on the high utility word wall should be words that students are expected to use in their speaking and writing, and for students who are struggling, possibly to help them spell those words. A topical word wall contains words that students will encounter during the unit of study, and they could stay up for the rest of the year if you have room, but topical word walls are really beneficial if you have limited board or wall space. The words can go up as they are encountered, or they can be displayed at the beginning of the unit and referred to as they are encountered. Whether it's a high utility or topical word wall, the most important thing is to refer back to the words throughout the unit or the year. The word wall is a living wall. It's a reference, a place for students as they read, write, and think. And again, word walls will also support that spelling and that recall for some of our lower level learners vocabulary tool. Number two, are concept circles, concept circles are simple, effective, and versatile. So what is a concept circle? You might be asking a concept circle is a circle with words placed in sections of the circle. There are variations, but the structure is generally the same, a circle with four sections and each section contains a word or a phrase. Concept circles can be used for instructional and assessment purposes. And how that might look in your classroom at the most basic level, a concept circle provides students the opportunity to categorize words and make connections among the words in the circle. Concept circles would be used when teachers want students to engage in conceptual thinking. And you can even take the circle and divide it into three or four sections, although generally four sections and a word or a phrase are added to each section, the word and phrase are related to a concept, a unit of study, or a topic. Here are several ways that you can ask students to use concept circles. So teachers can place the word or phrase in each section and then ask students to write about or discuss the connections they can make among the words or phrases, such as, why are these words together in the concept circle? Another way to use concept circles is to place a word or phrase in three of the sections and ask students to add a word to the fourth section that would fit, then have the student explain why that word fits. A third way to use concept circles is to ask students to pick four words from the unit of study and use the words to explain what they have learned during that unit. Final way to use concept circles could be to ask students to color or highlight the words that go together or the word that doesn't fit, then students can write about or discuss the attributes that make the words fit or not fit. Concept circles are so versatile that they can be used before, during, and after a unit as an activity or as an assessment. The sky is the limit with concept circles, and it really makes students think about what they're learning. The third vocabulary tool is called possible questions. In Janet Allen's book that I mentioned before, Inside Words, she states, and I quote I designed possible questions along two lines of research the role of student generated questions to support comprehension and the role of prediction in anticipating content, end quote. This is a powerful vocabulary and reading tool. What is possible questions? Possible Questions asks students to use content-specific vocabulary from an upcoming text to predict possible questions that they think the text will answer. Here's what it looks like. The teacher chooses content-specific words from an upcoming text or unit the students will encounter during their study, and the words that are chosen should be significant to the understanding of that text or unit. The teacher then groups the words into categories of two or three, the words should logically go together. Then you ask students either individually in pairs or groups to generate questions using those clustered or categorized words. The questions should be questions that the students think the text will answer. The students have those two or three words. They generate a question they think the text will answer. And then during and after the reading, Students monitor and check for understanding. If their questions are answered, students write the answers in a space provided or on a piece of paper. And if the questions weren't answered, students need to revise the questions using the target words and answer the newly drafted questions using the text or the unit of study. A final activity can be to have students visually represent what they have learned after they have crafted their questions and answered the questions. Possible questions is a great activity if you want to build background knowledge before starting a unit or reading a text. When students generate questions about what they are going to read and then monitor for answers to their questions, comprehension improves, so it's a great activity to improve comprehension, and it also provides students with the opportunity to focus on the most important parts of the reading. The fourth vocabulary tool is called a vocabogram. This vocabulary tool really is specifically for ELA classes, in my humble opinion. A vocabogram is a graphic organizer that asks students to predict what will happen in a story or a text using vocabulary words from the text with the categories of story elements. So the organizer contains the categories of setting, character, conflict, plot, resolution, and then there's a space to ask questions and for mystery words really is relevant for ELA classes and focusing on story elements. How this might look in your classroom. The teacher provides students with a list of vocabulary words from the story that are significant to the story and the plot, discuss the words with students, and then ask them to place the words where they think the author will use them. Will this word be used in the setting category, the character category, the conflict category, the plot or resolution category, and words can be used in more than one category. Students make predictions about the story based on the vocabulary words and where they placed the words in the organizer, and students could also craft questions about the story using the vocabulary words which is why I mentioned the section for questions. And then the unfamiliar words go in a mystery word category. If a student really has no idea where that word might go in a story, the student can place it in the mystery word category. This is really beneficial for the teacher because it is a quick check on what words students might have no idea about, words that students might think they understand but don't based on misplacing them and words that students get and may not need reteaching about, and it helps them think about the story in relation to the vocabulary words. After reading, students can revisit the vocabogram to answer the questions if they had any and then to check predictions, and this tool can be used to help students monitor comprehension and scaffold their writing about the story. The fifth vocabulary tool is contextual redefinition, which sounds really fancy, but really it's just using context clues. Do your students struggle using context clues? Because I know mine do. And using context clues alone is often unreliable for determining the meaning of the word. But with contextual redefinition, students have a way to use context clues in a meaningful way. This tool helps students understand the importance of context clues and how they can improve vocabulary comprehension. It is a way to introduce students to new vocabulary and use context clues to predict and verify meaning, and it also helps students know when and how to use context clues as a critical step. How might that look, or how does it work in the classroom? The teacher provides students with about 10 words, it can be less, The words are in isolation and with no context. The students will make predictions about the meaning of the words on the list using their background knowledge and knowledge of word parts and nothing else. Then the teacher provides the context for each of the words to determine context clues that are relevant to the meaning of the vocabulary word. This should be from the text or the unit that you're going to study. You could also make up passages that include the word and context clues but this is now the time to practice highlighting, underlining, marking up words that help the student make meaning. The students will identify the context clues used and then make a prediction using the context clue and the information from their first prediction. At the end, students will reflect on the strategies they have used and learned to identify context clues and meanings of the unknown words. So contextual redefinition is a vocabulary tool that just helps students practice using context clues if that is something your students need to work on, and it just helps walk them through the process of doing that. The sixth vocabulary tool is a word sort. So what makes a word sort different from an activity like list group and label list group and label has the students listing the words, but with a word sort, the teacher provides the list. One of the students come up with their list of words and then group and label them, which is why it's called list group, label students, list group and label. But with a word sort, the teacher has already provided that list and the students then sort them. What is the word sort and how does it work? Students are asked to sort words into categories where the words have common elements, and there are two types of word sorts, a closed word sort and an open word sort. A closed word sort is when the teacher provides a word bank and the categories. Students are only asked to sort the words into the predetermined categories. An open word sort is when the teacher provides a word bank but does not provide the category labels. Students are asked to sort the words into categories and then determine the label of that category. When and why might you want to use word sorts? Word sorts can be a great pre reading activity or post reading assessment. Using a word sort as a pre reading activity will introduce students to words, concepts, and topics they will encounter while reading and throughout the unit of study. Before reading, it will provide the teacher with an initial assessment of the student's knowledge of the content. As students justify the categories, the teacher can lead and guide the discussion so that the basic information related to the words is recorded, and it's helping to build that background knowledge. When word sorts are completed after reading, it can be a way to review and assess the student's knowledge. A word sort can be done before and then revisited after reading to clarify and revise meaning. Word sorts are just a really simple way to introduce and review key vocabulary. And the seventh and final vocabulary tool is Survival of the Fittest. According to Jana Allen's book, again, Inside Words, Survival of the Fittest is based on three strands of research that connect effective vocabulary instruction to increased learning. And that is, students need multiple exposures to the word, exposures should be in a varied context, and instruction should establish connections among instructed items. This tool really fits the bill for a lot of instructional strategies. What is Survival of the Fittest and how does it work? Survival of the Fittest is a vocabulary tool that asks students to determine which word does not fit in the cluster of words. The words are related to the unit or topic of study, and then the students determine which word does not belong with that cluster, and the student then creates a label or category for the remaining words that they believe do go together. Teachers can ask students to complete an additional task by having students think of a word that could replace the deleted word. Why and when might you use Survival of the Fittest? Well, Survival of the Fittest, in my opinion, is a great review activity because this would mean students have had that multiple exposures to the word and other students' knowledge of the words before applying it in an assessment. And the vocabulary tool can also be used as an assessment tool for individuals or groups of students. It can even be gamified a little bit by timing them, having them compete. I mean, survival of the fittest for me, the imagination is the limit with that vocabulary tool. Let's recap the seven tools for vocabulary instruction. Vocabulary tool. Number one is word walls. Number two, concept circles. Number three, possible questions. Number four, vocabogram. Number five, contextual redefinition. Number six, word sorts. And the final vocabulary tool for instruction is survival of the fittest. There are no limits to how to expose students to vocabulary words and what tools to use to make those words stick. I do hope that these seven vocabulary tools have given you some ideas to spark the love of words in the classroom and a quick and simple activity for you to assess students' understanding. If you want templates that are ready to use, grab my vocabulary template resource. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, friends, remember, the magic is in the process. Thanks for hanging out with me and listening to today's episode. For more support with all things ELA, visit my free resource page on my website at annotatedela.com. Until next time, friends, remember... The magic is in the process.